Munya, looking good, dude. The Apple Vision Pro FaceTime avatar of you, the person I'm FaceTiming with, bears an uncanny resemblance to you. Wow, man. It's really impressive that computers can see black people now. <laughs> I just wish that I could see you guys. Thanks, guys. Craig, you look great. Patreon dollars well spent. Brian? Mm. Brian, your avatar is... Well, your beard... Your beard sort of runs into your shirt. You have a shirt beard. You look great, honestly. Very impressed with the representation. Yeah, I can't make out individual beard hairs, but I'm loving the vibe. New era of podcasting begins today. Guys, I, I can hear you, but I can't see you. Do I need to update my DivX drivers? My Sound Blaster 16 seems to be working. Welcome back to the Mechanical Freak Podcast, where we're freaking in the morning today. We got Munya in New York, decided to Hello. blow off work, hang out with us. We got, <laughs> we got Greg on the boat, living the maritime life. Uh, guys, this new FaceTiming app, it is so great. Uh, I'm glad to see each one of you, Greg, the sensual hedgehog, uh, Munya, the sexy fox, each one of us in our fursonas. Uh, just, just glad to see it. This is going to make podcasting way easier. I finally feel like my true self. And <laughs> I revealed my fursona to my parents, actually. They took it surprisingly well, you know. And um, I couldn't really do this without the innovations of technology. Um, certainly didn't want to, like, get a sweaty mascot to do it. So it just, it just feels better when I have the goggles on. <laughs> Everything that, feels better with the goggles on. That should be their uh, slogan. So... Yeah, uh, we're going to spend this episode celebrating the, uh, oh, I closed the window, the Apple FaceTime Real Vision Avatar goggles. Apple Vision Pro goggles. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is exciting new stuff uh, for office culture and that each one of us will be able to adopt an avatar that only looks slightly different and more upsetting than our own <laughs> actual faces. Uh, <laughs> you see, the avatar... <laughs> It's not about adopting an ad of avatar, Brian. You see, you perhaps you've missed the uh, the central like uh, bug here that you know you're meant to uh, believe is a feature when like you know you're so impressed at how like lifelike the avatar looks. The problem is you're wearing the device you're talking to in a video call on your fucking eyes, which means there's no camera. That is capable of capturing your face. Even if there was, you'd be wearing goggles. So in order to have a video call, a FaceTime, which people want to do just as we're doing now and use the great new product, the Vision Pro goggles, the goggles have to animate a live <laughs> CG version of your face like to take you back into the possibility of having a video call. So we're <laughs> dialing back with this innovation of the goggles from the live video call, you know, in HD clarity where I can see you, my friend's real human face. But in order to accommodate 
what are sure to be the incredible advances of the Vision Pro goggles, something everyone wants and is asking for, and still be able to have video calls on them, we have to like innovate new uh, CG faces because, again, no camera in the right place, but also no one wants to talk to you with goggles on your fucking face, which is part of the fucking problem. <laughs> I personally think that everybody's going to want to wear deep sea goggles 24 hours a day walking around. I mean, there was an ad for this um, during uh, the football games last weekend. And the ad was so great because it's like this guy going about his daily life where he was like, play Minecraft or something. So he has his goggles on, like doing some game or something like that. But he's actually in the kitchen. So he's like flipping it off so he can like cook some food <laughs> and then like turning it back on and then like turning and then flipping it off so he can look at his children and like slop the food down and then turning it back on. And it's like all the future we've all been dreaming of. <laughs> I mean, it's like, this is incredible. You love it. This, this is just as stupid as it was when Google tried it over 10 years ago. Yeah, the Google Glass. Yeah, yeah I mean, and everyone laughed at it then. Like, obviously, it almost seems, with this, I think Apple's, like, you know, what they would probably say in their meetings, like, sweatily going, this isn't Google Glass, is we're not marketing, we're not so stupid as to market people, like, wear this around. This is yeah. for in your home or in your office. These aren't glasses um, that are gonna you're going to wear out on the street. This is like a cool thing you have at home. So again, also like, why? Why? Like the phone you can carry out in the street that does, that gets you on the internet, that shows you content, that com allows you to communicate with people. The laptop you can take to the coffee shop. What the fuck? What, what, are, the what are the goggles for? We've what are we're the back for? to the desktop era, right? <laughs> you identify your children to hover their names over their heads so you don't forget them? <laughs> <laughs> Like what what is this for? Well, it's funny because the use cases that I see people and these are like people who are totally bought into the Vision Pro, people who are like ready to sell this thing. Um the use cases that I see coming from them, like in earnest, people were posting a Vision Pro render and this is like their dream. This isn't even something that's like available on the Vision Pro. They posted a render of them cooking pasta. And on top of the pasta was a hovering uh, timer that uh, said how long you've been um, cooking the pasta. And it would tell you uh, <laughs> when to strain the pasta. <laughs> Hear that? That is uh, a timer that I have in my kitchen. Uh, oh. It's mechanical. It's fine. It's fine. I don't that, even get on my phone because this is easier. Point, you just twist it. The whole point of a timer is you don't have to look at it, too. Yeah. That's yeah. literally the purpose. It's so that you can stop thinking about that. Like, you can let that exit your brain and you can move on with your life, right? Uh, but I like the I idea mean, presumably of, Presumably, like, it's also going to beep in your ears. But, like, yeah, yeah what is the ad, what's the value add of looking over at the pot and seeing the uh, there's two minutes left? Like, it'll tell, you know, it'll tell you when it dings. Like, you'll, well, that, you'll know. Your, your oven or stove, right? If you have the little stove oven combos that everybody has in their apartment, has a timer right there, you know, right above your pot. You just right. put it in. But yeah, I mean, this is another just tech solution for like problems that aren't problems. 
which leads to the question, uh, is technological advancement dead? Um, like, it's, it's like we're going nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I think that is the actual story. We can make fun of how dumb a product this is and how stupid boosters of it are going to be. But like, we've I mean, we've been saying this on this show for years. Certainly, I've been saying it like all the possible gains, all the money on the table from computers, like from uh, transistors and then the, the last real technological innovation, the silicon transistors, it's gone. Like they they did it. We did it. We they revolutionized the world superficially, like the specifics of how we live our daily life, uh, without actually changing like uh you know, material social relations. And it's done. They did it. There's no more money. And so this is finally Apple. What's interesting here is Apple has been sort of immune as much as like, you know, some of their products are you know, overpriced or stupid. Sometimes some of their dumb innovations like the, the, the touch bar on my laptop. Um, they have, this is the first time they're doing like what all the other companies are doing who realize they have nothing left, nothing new to sell. There's no pot. Like they have to come up with something stupid. This is like Facebook, like spending billions on meta and just eating shit. Cause like there's no good ideas. There's nothing left to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because when we think about like disruption, yeah, what more is there to disrupt, right? Because like the easy money was within disrupting existing legacy services that served a purpose, you know, whether that's like you know taxi cabs, whether that's you know mobile phones, um, yeah. you know, or just telecommunications um, in general, yeah, yeah uh, exactly. you know, even just you know, media in general, like all, all of those things were there, served a purpose and uh, had a proven business model. Right. Uh, and now, now we're looking at it, even like, you know, Tesla to a degree with like cars, it's still a car. Yeah, it's a car. Right? It's, yeah. it's a car. It's about market share, right? It's about somebody else has market share by using, by being the guy who sees the money on the table or has the capital to grab the money on the table. You can, and with a little luck, you can be the one who uses the new available technology. Again, the you know, been from the fifties, the silicon transistor, and like everything that's developed from it to reorient orient market share in a particular domain. You know, cars, mm -hmm. uh, telecommunications. Mm -hmm. You can say, chain, innovate something, do something different using this nineteen fifties technology to be the guy who shifts market share over to you some portion of it um yeah. in an, because you've changed it slightly and what these tech idiots think these you know these uh tech ceos the whole you know class of like management of these um and boosters of these big companies is like i think they think it's something like inborn it's like they're innovators right like what we did mm. here was like have these great ideas and innovate we had vision you know guys steve jobs had the vision for the iphone i mean he was very smart about how to market technologies to a consumer public on a larger scale. Something that's that what every the iPhone other, is. Every other executive like failed to do. Right. You know, it's was, marketing. Which was super novel. It's taking mm. a, a, a technology that exists and ideas about the future of technology that exist and have existed for a long time and seeing the possible business model and marketing angle in bringing them to market and thus 
capturing market share and maybe to some degree expanding, you know, a new market. But in a way, again, it's really like you were saying, it's these existing domains. So you're really talking about often capturing market share. You're taking, uh, you know, communications out of, uh, you know, the landline business and putting it into mobile phones. And then like you're taking people's screen time on uh, their desktops at home on the internet and on their other mobile phones and you're running it, running that market uh, through Apple you're, with the iPhone, you know? You're taking people's hard drives and uh, putting it into your own yeah. data centers and server farms where they can just upload it on the cloud. But like, these mm-hmm. dorks yeah. think that these it's just about having visionary ideas and it's not it's or, or and inventing something new and it's like um it's and, or and i mean i guess or maybe they do think they're doing the same thing they're taking these ideas from science fiction and seeing like ooh we're pushing the application of the technology that's been developed you know for over decades at universities and again going really back to the 1950s and we're oh, we're there to where we can now market these technologies as a product like augmented reality, like virtual reality. And so that's the formula take now, take it to market and market it. But like the, and that's the, that's the vision, but they're, you know, they're missing the point. Like Steve jobs, like, uh, you know, as the, the, um, exemplar of this, like, yeah, to the extent that he had vision, he had, he saw those possibilities of where the technology was, or a viable business model and a way to market it to capture a business that wasn't stupid. Like it, it wasn't dumb. Like, yeah. Uh, did anyone yeah. think the iPhone yeah. was a fucking stupid idea that would never take off when it first came out? No. Like you might've thought it was overpriced and a flashy thing, but like, obviously everyone said, well, eventually, even if however fast this is to adopt, whether this is like a big, like blockbuster for Apple, everyone saw like, well, eventually mobile phones are going here, you know, Mm -hmm. like whether it takes six months or five years, this is what mobile phones are going to be. Right. Um, and this like, (laughs) like who, nobody wants this shit. Well, yeah. And, and the key thing is with that point, Greg, is that mobile phones were around before the iPhone, you know, (laughs) like, like this was technology that was like, people had Palm Pilots, people had sidekicks, right? Like there was even like, you know, Blackberries were a big thing. Like that was kind of like the smartphone of the day. You can browse the internet on a Blackberry, right? Like, so like, exactly. It's all existed. Yeah. So it was a product mindset of saying, okay, maybe we don't need the big QWERTY keyboards. Maybe we actually have a, a, a screen that is really responsive when you touch it that doesn't have two seconds of lag when you like tap it, right? Like yeah. these like user experience things that really like made the iPhones stand out to the point where it's like, oh, we don't need buttons on this thing, right? Like, but and people were used to using phones already. Like people know how to use phones <laughs> and people were using mobile phones and browsing the internet on phones, right? Like this is, it was right. a, it was a product evolution of something that was clearly there and clearly had a market. And if there's a way that, it was innovated that money was the money on the table was grabbed. It was by, you know, refining those products into those more expensive products like the BlackBerry into a product that just as expensive, but for a wider market, not yeah. just like business people, like enterprise uh, executives, you know, uh, but like something middle class people might like. Uh, want a flashy thing to like have in their pocket and um, look at uh, MySpace, you know? 
Yeah, I mean, Zach Morris might have a cell phone, but Screech can have one, too. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I mean, on to the, the iPhone's an interesting thing, too, because I think that while people were like, okay, cell phones are obviously real and happening, and, and nobody was, like, cynical about that. I think people did look at uh, the early Apple marketing, particularly around the iPhone, and uh, eventually around the iBook or whatever, but were did say like well this is a cynical marketing campaign where you're essentially just telling people oh you're so smart you're so smart and then charging them a thousand extra dollars for yeah. you know the thing you're selling them and that that kind of like cynical marketing campaign won't work and of course it did it worked fantastic um so Same on with that, the ipad too because the ipad got yeah. more hate than the iphone like people were like yeah. oh well you know we have a laptop and we have a phone like why do we need an ipad like this is kind of weird you know like i remember that getting a little more hate yeah. and that turned out to be really well, wrong so like and i guess our go with this is uh here we are we're hating on the um uh what do we call this the apple active vision wear pro. vision pro <laughs> trademark uh goggle set uh we're hating on this we're saying it's stupid nobody's gonna have it what are the odds in five years that we're all by mandate of the federal government wearing this 24 <laughs> seven? No, that's what I'm saying. No, the odds are very low of that, dude. Nobody wants this. This sucks. It serves no, no, absolutely not. Not going to be wrong about this. Yeah. Sure. I think uh, by, it'll have its it, it, like, okay. So I think that like, if you look at their video on it, the pitch that they give is that, Oh, you can watch, videos and movies and stuff but you can like uh make the depth of field really wide so you can basically feel like you're sitting in the grand canyon you're surrounded and then there's like a screen that is like the size of a rocket ship that you're watching like tv on basically so, and so, um, so you can go to the omni dome at the aquarium but in your house right yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah exactly <laughs> right. you can watch like exactly. big um like imax nature documentaries in your goggles yeah, we have televisions. We have giant. Nobody cares. Nobody wants that. Like, what's the actual <laughs> like? What the actual use case is is watching YouTube videos the way people listen to podcasts, which is doing yes. other shit. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's it's basically the TikTok thing. So TikTok creators have this engagement bait thing where they basically have the actual video on one side of the screen, and yeah. then on the other side of the screen, they have like. 500 different like i'm you know uh, hyperbole <laughs> but they have like at least three videos running on the other side of the screen one is like family guy the other is like someone playing <laughs> subway surfers and the other is like some person like doing like asmr like mushy like play-doh yeah. and that's like so people can focus on the other video people have to stay engaged and so they have to basically split having like four videos playing at once uh, and people are watching it because that's how like you can like, you know, engagement bait attention and like the brain will like just like kind of like snap to like watching the other four frames, videos yeah. of keys shaking in front yeah. of the camera. <laughs> I mean, yes, that, yes, yeah, yes, well, exactly. I, well, I mean, to Greg's point, I think you're totally right about the like podcast YouTube comparison, right? The only problem being that the reason why people can like listen to podcasts while they work and do chores is for the most part, you don't need your ears in human life, right? Like, like you could go without hearing things <laughs> yeah. for long periods of time. Uh, the problem being you can't go without seeing things for pretty much anything you have to do. And so like, again, I, I you know, I don't understand like, watching, like, like a how hazy, this is going to work. Like, you can't really yeah. see it video of a guy yeah. of really just people talking. I think that's what maybe they think I, again. No, there is because you could still you can listen. You can watch those YouTube videos on your phone in your kitchen and do your dishes, you know, 
you you maybe glance over or you just listen to it because a lot of YouTube is just podcasts with visual with key jingling but, anyway, but it's not right? In front of your eyes, which is right, which is right, exactly, which is worse. Again, it's worse to do that. So like, the, I don't know. We should like get onto something else here, but like, I, I just see this as like another like meta, you know, like this is finally it's come to Apple where they're this is. I mean, they must this is they must have put enormous amounts of money into this. This is a big. This is their first ins- product since the iPhone, since 2007. Like the first product that's not like a uh, product that is like a, a new edition. Like, yeah. like Apple Watch, it, you have to have an iPhone really to use the Apple Watch. You know, it's not that's not like a standalone product. It's an accessory. Really, you know, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is the first product that like really Tim Cook has been making that isn't dependent on the iPhone, even though it still kind of is. I think you need like some type of Apple product for the Vision Pro to work, which is hilarious. But um, right. Yeah, I just I just like cell service, does it? Maybe they maybe it will. I mean, you can get the maybe I I don't think so. No, I mean, I think that in thin like this, like generation one stuff is like really funny because one of their pitches, too, was like, oh, well, you can you can do like productive work where you can like expand your screen to the point where you can have like multiple windows happening at once. But then when people actually tried it, they realized that the screen would only expand so far as where their actual Apple screen is. So you basically have like a lot of blank space around you in your periphery and you just have like the same like 1980 by 1080 or 1920 by 1080 um, definition uh, Mm -hmm. where you can't, expand it out because there's no physical constraints yet they make an artificial physical constraint on your computer when you're on vision pro so it's basically you're just looking at a render of the screen that you already have um and there's no (laughs) real dude they're gonna eat so they're gonna i mean tim cook's gonna get fired over this like it's just like you're (laughs) it's like you're looking at your computer in real time but you're not yeah, yeah no. so I mean, like, th- this is the thing, though, is like Apple is so big and have just like such a monopoly on consumer electronics uh, and has such a tight grip of an ecosystem that I genuinely don't think that this is going to like tank Apple. You know, I think that I think that there's people who are absolutely going to buy this. I think that um, and it's going to be, you know, a niche in, you know, a year. But um you know, this generation one product, I think, is like for, uh, you know, enthusiasts and early adopters. Like, I can see them kind of like, you know, make it more palatable because there's no way that this can be like a mass market product yet. But Apple just might be so big that they can just like well really shitty products into existence with like yeah, out we'll competition, see. We'll see. you know. All right. So, we'll see, I think this is another we'll meta situation where like they're going to be embarrassed by it, but. We'll see. And then that's just that's just everything in in technology and the economy. There's nothing left. It, this is this is it's the same, you know, impulse. It's it's a new imperialism that but there's no there's no more free real estate. Right. There's yeah. no. Yeah. There's nowhere to go. There's no but they have to put money into no, exactly. something. They have to. Expand. The tech frontier has closed. Yeah. It, oh, the frontier is closed, man. Well, I think we can all agree. Let Tim cook, all right? Apple. Let's <laughs> okay. All right. Oh, yeah. So on, on the on the topic of Meta, though, I just want to point out that because Meta basically just burned billions, tens of billions of dollars on their <laughs> metaverse like project, where the like your avatars don't even have legs. Um, a thing that they actually did to remediate. I mean, like literally, Meta stock plummeted. Uh, like went down seventy percent. Uh, like 
cut more in half. Uh, it was looking pretty dire, but um, Zuckerberg found one weird trick to make it all right for the shareholders. And uh, step one, uh, fire a quarter of your staff. Yeah. So that just, you know, <laughs> snap always your works. fingers and <laughs> always satisfying to the uh, to the investors. <laughs> they always like to hear that. And then step two, you take those uh, profits that you get from firing a quarter of your staff and you announce what they did yesterday, which is they announced that they'll issue their first ever dividend, uh, mm. which is like rare for tech companies. And they're also going to buy back $50 billion additionally of their stock. They've already bought back $60 billion since 2022. Um, so they announced an additional $50 billion of stock buybacks. And uh, as of recording today, uh, their stock is up 20% on the day. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at their their uh, stock trends, you know, right now. And yeah, as you say, they were at 376 in late 2021. The metaverse happened. It immediately cratered <laughs> to 90. And now we're up to four, uh, 478 today. Yeah, like this is, the, this is the roadmap right here, right? Which is if you really want to boost that stock price, meaning you want to you get everybody rushing towards you, um, lay off shit tons of employees and then announce that you're not going to actually invest in anything. You're just going to buy stock. You're just going to do stock buybacks. No more new products, only stock buybacks. <laughs> that whole That's direction, real right? Yeah. The whole yeah. direction last year, you know, starting, you know, with this was a year ago, right? That they laid everybody off along with all the mm -hmm. other companies um, when they were being pressured to buy uh, the, the whole sort the of, you know, the Fed, <laughs> yeah. like demanding that we get inflation under control by disciplining tech workers, by reorienting the sort of uh, uh, the gilded class of tech workers into something more like the rest of the economy, where you do more work uh, with less people and you're not as pampered. Um, and I, but Apple didn't make those layoffs, did they? They didn't do Apple the 10%. Apple was the only tech company that didn't lay They're off anyone. The only anyone. ones, right? They're the only yep. ones who didn't do the correction, the 10% layoff or more that yep. everybody else, that Microsoft did, that Amazon did, that, that Facebook did in a big way because they also had their own like internal things going on. Um, you know, and that, that is, it's a, it's a, it was a, an exercise like was happening in the entire rest of the economy, but specifically at this this top of the middle class, right? Like yeah. in the tech worker, is to discipline them. You know, the raises aren't going to be the same. The the pay is not going to be the same for people getting into it now. Um, it's going to be the work's going to be harder. Apple was not there for whatever reason. They were able to, you can say, avoid that, or given that the prerogatives of management are such that like. They what they don't want to do that. What the stockholders don't want to discipline their workforce. They don't want to reorient to the new, uh, uh, the new status quo of like the the reduced uh, tech worker. No, of course they do. But for whatever reason, maybe they couldn't. Uh, so maybe on some level, subconsciously or uh, diabolically green lighting and insanely stupid money wasting they've got the money to blow embarrassing failure is a way to uh in this enormous part of the economy this juggernaut of uh the tech industry and just in incredible like valuation like one of the most like valuable companies in the world right like 
that needs that discipline has to happen there, right? Like that the discipline of the tech worker has to come to Apple. Um, and so maybe this is, you know, you don't bring in to, to tech. It's different than an industrial uh, labor relation, right? You don't bring in the Pinkertons or the National Guard to rough up the workers when you're when they won't let you uh, lower their wages, right? What you do is maybe you green light an stupid and a stupid and embarrassing debacle such that your hand will be forced, uh, you know. So Brewster's Millions fails. slash producers style muck up, yes. you know, yes. intentional yes. muck up. <laughs> this is the yeah. this is the producers at Apple. That's what this is. Holy shit! This is about <laughs> this, catching up with the rest of the tech economy and disciplining uh, labor at the most important, uh, most valuable tech company there is. They're gonna in what in within a year they'll be laying off twenty uh, percent of their workforce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cool, cool. Well, on that note, uh, let's talk about some booming businesses. Uh, guys, did you hear? Did you hear the news last weekend? Uh, the Jet Team, which is a mixture of the Liquor and Cannabis Control Board, as well as police, Seattle Police and Fire Department, one of those special task force that you love to hear about so much, uh, did some raids uh, over the weekend. And decided, why not turn... Look, we're all about to turn the clock back for daylight savings or whatever the fuck. Uh, Why not just turn that clock all the way back to 1969? And they raided a bunch of gay bars. So they raided Neighbors, Cuff, uh, The Eagle, and one other bar. But uh, raided them and uh, decided to give out some lewdness warnings, taking photos of patrons and staff. Uh, All stuff that's not particular... Scared the shit out of people. Not encouraging stuff to hear about, that's for sure. Wonderful things happening in the local city. Oh, my God. So so the excuse that the Liquor and Control Board, who presumably ordered the raids, although they've assured everybody that these are not, in fact, raids. If they're raids, they would have had their guns drawn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh was, my bad <laughs> that was part of their that was part of their def, their like arguing over definitions and language here like we would have had our guns drawn if they were raids um but part of their motivation is that hey look uh, washington state has lewdness laws and we got to enforce them um some pointed out that it was a little strange that that is something they felt they just had to do right now <laughs> but uh I don't know. What do, you, what do you guys think about these raids? Um, or, you know, are they raids at all? I don't know. What do you, what, 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 what we take? Are we, are we siding with the liquor control board here? Well, like <laughs> the, the liquor and cannabis board. Yeah. Sorry. Um, the, I still think weed should be illegal. So I refuse to acknowledge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I think like, you know, I mean, it's an interesting question maybe like to get in the heads of, uh, I guess what I'm saying is it's not an interesting question to get in the heads of the jet team uh, task force and like ask, like, did they sit down and come up with, hey, you know what? This weekend, let's hit a bunch of gay bars and uh, send a message to the gay bar community about how, you know, uh, we're cracking down on them. Or if they just went to one per chance and uh at the start along with, you know, a plan to do some other bars. And one of them was a gay bar and the cops like realized like, Hey, this is a target rich environment for, um, 
uh, dumb lewdness citations like a bartender had a nipple showing. And uh, I like I like harassing these people, you know, and just decided like this is hey, this is an easy way to fill up the time. This is great. We can go in with our flashlights. People scatter. Look, they're running. They're scared. And uh, there's all these things we can cite because there's like uh, gay men being gay men in, in these buildings. And uh, and uh, this is fun. This is great. And we, we it looks like we did something because we've collected all these photos and, uh, you know, uh, things we can cite. Whereas when you go to most bars and uh, there aren't, uh, you know, like bartenders with nipples showing. And so uh, you, you would have to really uh, work to come up with something to cite, you know. Mm-hmm. either way like my point is like it's not interesting because it's the same thing either way you empower police to uh enforce your stupid laws and they're going they're going to do it and they're going to be assholes about it and they're going to have whatever either the instinct to to you know do a weekend of gay bar raids or the inspiration to uh when they get the thrill of the first one you know mm. And, and I think it is telling that reps from the Liquor and Cannabis Control Board, the LCB, that when reps were from the LCB were pressed on this, um, that they did mention that SPD had gotten a report about lewdness, the lewd behavior from one of the bars. Now, I think it's equally interesting and in telling that when local business owners went to harangue the Liquor and Cannabis Control Board, that they brought up the point that, yeah, uh, police, you know, just because a law is broken or a regulation is broken, you know, there is discretion on the part of police and things like that of what to do about it. And these raids seem like you, you know, where was the discretion here? And obviously, yeah. like you wanted to do these things. I'm going to venture a guess, given the amount of insane conservatives in the city of Seattle, which there are the equal amount to every city in America, despite, you know, advertising um, that probably there's lewdness complaints about every gay space yeah, all the time. in Seattle all the time, you know? Yeah. So why act on it now? And I, uh, they don't bring it up in the stranger articles, but I did hear an interview with Vivian McCall, who uh, has been doing the reporting for the stranger on this on uh, KUOW. And she, she did mention that this seems to be like, or put it within the context of the fight over Denny Blaine back in December, right. And the city mm-hmm. saying they were going to put a children's recreational center on the Denny Blaine beach as a way of finally getting rid of the nude beach at Denny Blaine. Right. And yeah. that this is all kind of seems to be part of a whole. Right. Um, and I guess like, what do you, what, maybe what do you guys think about that? That seemed to make sense to me, but maybe what uh, do you think about that? Yeah, no, I, I, I think so. I think like you can see in the, when the, the liquor board, you know, said like, well, SPD got reports. What they're also doing there is laying the, uh, you know, initiative on the part of the police. They're saying like, yeah, this is a task force that we participate in. And whose idea was this? Where did this come from? No, now, they don't say it that way. But but that's what it identifies. It's like, yes, this started with the police came to us, you know, with the task force in the meeting and said, well, we've got reports of this going on which again, of course they do, uh, probably all the time, you know, um, yeah, the, the, the Denny Blaine thing is fucked up, you know, uh, interesting 
to wonder like where that comes from. Uh, it's clear, like it's part of, or it's disturbing to know, like obviously it's part of the, the new Harrell administration, like crackdown generally, you know, using police to clean up spaces that they don't like. Now, often what we talk about most is that's like unhoused people, you know, criminalizing poverty and the police by sort of getting by Harold getting on side with them. And then in the rhetoric, like has given them real permission to, um, to exercise, you know, their enforcement of those things, including obviously like massively stepping up sweeps in the last year. It is disturbing to see that like that, that the city seems to also is showing itself to want to crack down on gay spaces you know, it makes you wonder, like, does, like, does rep- representation really matter? Like, because, you know, Seattle's had gay mayors for, like, for so long, um, <laughs> for, like, eight years, right? And, like, now it doesn't. Um, it makes you wonder if that's what it is. But if that is the case, I think what it means is that this violence is there, it's built into everything. I mean, we have police, their job and what they see as their job is to, um, you know, inf- to uh, oppress uh, marginalized peoples, to enforce uh, labor discipline, to do all these, to do a bunch of violence and oppression. And maybe at times in various ways, depending on the mood, depending on how they feel disciplined at any given time, which I think we know they basically don't, but maybe there are subtleties to that. Um, maybe for a time they have felt disciplined in terms of how they reach out and oppress like middle class uh, gay spaces, you know, as opposed to like, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, gay and trans teens who are on the street or something. Which I mean, obviously, like uh, there was never any discipline against uh, that, but maybe for a time they felt disciplined in that way that they don't, that that has been relieved. And then as part of the general crackdown on everything, the general like feeling of uh, loosening of the leash at SPD, that their natural instinct was, is to start this and possibly, yeah, with the signals about the, the, about Denny Blaine, like they're also feeling like the vibe they're getting either again, just in vibes or, would be wild to find out if this was coming like from higher up uh, mm-hmm. from actually was initiated at some point, but I guess, but there is no evidence of that. So, but again, like it all comes back to like, it doesn't matter because the real story here is like, this isn't, this isn't, if, if it feels like traveling back in time, it's only be, be because in some ways at some times in this particular place um, and under certain conditions, these um this leash is a little tighter mm-hmm. and but the all the systems of violence are still there under the surface ready to be enacted again when that leash loosens even a little bit yeah and i think you know this uh pushes against i mean i, I what, the reason why this is you know this is a hot story as they say for a lot of reasons i mean it invokes historical injustices right yeah. it um it has, you know, victims in this case of the club owners who have a lot of money, um, it, you know, but also like, uh, you know, it it is ha- it's sort of a dog bites man story and that, you know, the 
national perspective of Seattle is that this is communist Seattle and how did this happen or whatever, right? Uh, but I think that it pushes back, and this is part of that man bites dog thing. It pushes back against the liberal idea of like the arc of progress. Everything's yeah, always yeah. like slowly yeah. moving forward. And I think you're right, Greg, because that idea, particularly when it came to gay rights, always got it wrong about like what happened, right? Which is yeah. that gay rights happened because people were ignorant and then they got smart and then things changed, as opposed to the fact that gay people were being oppressed for an actual reason. And that reason was achieving various goals for various groups of people that were they allowed to then pursue those interests again, would you would end up right back in a very similar situation. Mm-hmm. And in the case of Denny Blaine, the complaint about Denny Blaine has always been from the homeowners there, from the homeowners and Denny Blaine and Madrona, who think that the beach affects their home values and so have, you know, under the only law of politics the homeowners in Seattle understand have said brutally repressed whatever affects, you know, negatively impacts our home value. And I, I draw this connection because when we had uh, Dr. Kevin on years mm-hmm. ago and he told us about the gay rights struggle in Seattle, uh, their argument was, hey, um, the forces of reaction in Seattle that were pushing against gay rights, a lot of times were doing it because they thought it affected property values. So when yeah. SPD officers filed a uh, petition and then eventually got a vote on a bill that would make it easier for landlords to throw gay tenants out, it was to protect the power of landlords. You know, yeah. when Seattle yeah. PD, again, very aggressively campaigned for, then got the right and then very aggressively pursued the cleaning out of parks from, you know, uh, public parks at night uh, where gay people might meet, mingle, have sex, whatever, right? Uh, they were doing that to protect the home values that were increasing and the property values that were increasing as the move to the city in the 1980s began to happen in uh, downtown Seattle, right? Particularly. Uh, in places like Volunteer Park, where there was, you know, a lot of money around that area. And they wanted that gone because they thought it affected their property values. And I think we're kind of right back in the same spot. You know, this this whole city council election and stuff like that, we're sort of having a mini kind of like Reagan revanchist revolution yeah. in Seattle yeah. in response to the mere idea of Shama Sawant existing. And so we have Republicans across the board. And, you know, this is told the homeowners and property owners, whatnot, that now is the time to like really go buck wild, get all, get your wish list checked off property rules again, 100%. (laughs) And so they want Denny Blaine gone because it affects their property values. I'm sure those values, the property values in Capitol Hill are like through the roof right now. I'm sure that there's pressure from the people who don't own the gay clubs uh, about, you know, the gay clubs and what happens at them, blah, 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 or whatever they think happens at them or imagines happens at them. There's pressure from them for enforcement, you know, and I think this is all the product of that, right? Like, yeah, you know. I mean, uh, I, it's it's also sort of demoralizing to, like, I, I come back to, like, I'm kind of joking about the representation thing, but, like, there's another way to, I, it may be that, like, this is what like liberalism offers is this false sense of security, right? Like it may be that like just the vibe possibly again, because you can imagine like that again, like you're saying, like these homeowners have maybe always wanted the Denny Blaine thing done away with, but like 
it fell on deaf ears for some period of time, right? Yeah. Um, and now that we don't have gay mayors again, I, I don't say that as like I think there may be a connection there. Not not to and not to say that like oh that's that's why we need representation, but to say that these protections, this kind of progress is illusory. Like it's bullshit. It's not there. I mean, look, look, look what ha- I mean. Look at you know abortion in this country, right? Like we mm. have these fucking like paper barriers, like preventing people's rights, certain people's rights in certain ways from being abridged, like certain people's humanity from being abridged at certain times. And they're just paper thin. And when anything changes, you know, that goes away. So when you get in a revanchist mayor who is ready to use the police is ready to like, listen to homeowners is ready to like change the script on is ready to not have Shama Swant like harping at them in council chambers. Right. And, and thus, even if Bruce Harrell isn't like thinking to himself, like, man, finally we get to crack down on the gays in this town. He's unleashed. He's just because there aren't stronger, protections because we still have the police because we still have because homeowners still have the institutional like power when when that when these like attitudes are just relaxed just a little this stuff starts happening you know Mm -hmm. when you just lose that tiny bit of ground that tiny paper thin barrier of maybe the gay mayors who were just like get get that shit off my desk i don't want to listen fuck off you know, because they have a different perspective on it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're doing lots of other things for homeowners. But like when the Denny Blaine thing comes up, like again, from from some neighborhood group, they just like pretend they never saw it and roll their eyes. You know, it could be that simple. And the point is like the horror, if that's the case, is that that's all there is. <laughs> like that's, yeah, all, yeah. that's all there is from the Democratic Party, <laughs> from liberalism in general, from the progressive fucking arrow of history is this illusion, this, this like just a handful of people's attitudes about things that just go away when they're gone, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's true. I, I think that's why liberals, yeah, to your point, have, have struggled again to your point with the Roe v. Wade stuff is like, well, how could it go backwards? And they, they don't really have a narrative that works for that. Um, and so they're, they're struggling with that definition and it's because they refuse to, kind of acknowledge the entrenched interests now the structural forces yeah and in this case like the structural forces are going to push back a little bit right so since the raid happened um there was a meeting with the lcb where they were yelled at right and Mm -hmm. after that meeting they've said that they are going to stop raiding gay bars and that they although they would not acknowledge that it was a raid um came out they came out into the meeting in assless chaps and paddled themselves. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> they said, we're sorry, we'll stop and we'll rethink, uh, you know, how we interpret these regulations. Although they mainly just kicked it up to the legislature and said that the legislators got to, you know, rewrite the well, they, lewdness laws for fair, the state of they, Washington. They did turn. I mean, they did everything you mm-hmm. the liberal who isn't interested necessarily in you know, the progressive homeowner, the progressive, the progressive, like assimilationist gay Seattleite who isn't interested in really necessarily hearing about structural forces. They did what you would want, which is they're like, okay, we're suspending this type of enforcement and we're suspending our participation 
in the jet team, meaning like working with the cops on enforcement, which, you know, big surprise that that got them in trouble. Um, they're learning <laughs> what anybody who deals with the cops uh, learns eventually. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what you would want. They're saying, we're not doing either of these things anymore. We're at, we're not issuing those citations. We're sorry. And please, uh, legislature do something about this. And they probably will. They're so they're doing everything you would want. And, uh, you know, I, you know, maybe it's our task to pick that apart. Yeah. So they're doing whatever you want. And, and you might say, well, this is great. Democracy works. Um, the people went to the liquor control board. They expressed their feelings about the actions of the liquor control board. And, uh, now they're, you know, now change has happened. All right. So the system works. And, I think this is worth examining because people raise concerns about the actions of the police in this town and every town um, all the time. And the answer generally from the state has been fuck off. Nobody cares. Like we don't, we don't care what you have to say, blah, blah, blah. Right. Well, someone, you know, people raised uh, real concerns that made it all the way to the state Supreme court about the fucking drug laws in this state. And, you know, uh, such a, uh, you know, so 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 strong were their arguments that the state had to throw out the fucking drug laws in this state um, because they were so, uh, you know, heinously, um, you know, ludicrously punitive and racist and just you know unconstitutional on their face for whatever that's worth, and that's again, you know, also sounds great, right? But I mean, what did? the state and every city in it turn around and do is like spend the next year, uh, recriminalizing all the shit in new ways that would stand up to, um, court scrutiny. Yeah. And I, but I think something, something a little different happened here, which is look, you know, the, all of a sudden the institutions of the state, the repressive institutions of the state were all of a sudden so amenable to public pressure. And I think that there might be a, a reason for that. And, one reason is that the person leading the public pressure was Joey Burgess, mm-hmm. who owns the cough and who is the one who sort of broke the story that this happened. Right. Um, but he doesn't just own the cough. He is owner and partner at Cupcake Royale, Queer Bar, Grimm's, Lost Lake Cafe, Comet Tavern, uh, The Woods. Right. This is a guy who is one like of every the place in Seattle. <laughs> yes. It, you know, people who are familiar with the like restaurant and bar scene in, in Seattle understand that there's like 10 people who own all of it. Right. Like yeah. every restaurant and bar you've ever gone to in the city limits is like owned by there's like, no, just like people. a singular <laughs> owner of a restaurant. Like they, they, more, it's yeah. like, Oh, like what, uh, what portfolio does this uh, person have? You know? Yeah. And I think that the wrong lesson to take from this would be that, well, the uh, liquor control bar was, uh, you know, the liquor cannabis control board was met by the public. The public, you know, expressed their demands. They saw the reasonableness and they changed it. I think the take here is another capitalist interest stepped in that has mm-hmm. institutional power and said, no, you can't do this. And it turns out they have more institutional power than whoever was initially complaining about all this shit. And we're figuring out where the leash of Seattle PD actually is, which is if they want to harass a trans teen, they can do that. And that teen can't do shit. If they want to 
harass a you know a gay person on the street just walking down the sidewalk they can do that and that person can't say shit if they want to kill a black person in the case of you know tacoma pd and manny ellis or any of the number of deaths uh caused by seattle pd again there's no recourse but they cannot intervene on the prerogatives of capital to make money right that is where the actual leash is that's the difference in the uh prosecution you know the the drug criminalization in the state in Seattle is no, no one from capital like wanted to take that on, you know, take that on again. Like, Hey, we should uh, overturn this horribly punitive uh, drug war. Uh, But in this case, yeah, it it hurt, it hurt someone's bottom line. And those, those are the arguments they made. They're like, yes, um, it scared people. It was awful, uh, you know, reeks of homophobia. And also like when this happens, it drives down my business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jerry Burgess had pointed out that he had had some previous harassment from the LCB, and because of that, they were having to police the clothing at uh, the cuff, and that had driven his business down, that he was losing patrons because of it. And again, I think when you talk about what are the arguments that move our repressive apparatus in America generally, but, you know, in the city or state at large, like... um, it you know the the arguments that move them are never arguments about justice, right? That's that's what liberals get wrong. The arguments that move them are arguments from peop, owners of capital saying this is bad for business. That's yeah. what moves them, yeah. You know, and that's what moves the needle. And you know, I'm certainly happy uh, that you know gay bars and queer bars and stuff in Seattle are probably not going to get raided in the near future, immediate future. Um, but I think you got to be clear about why you know, uh, why that win happened. Um, because the reality is as the pressures of the empire crush in more and more pressures caused by, you know, I increasing international isolation or inability to win wars internationally, et cetera. Right. Uh, to, you know, imperial pressure from without, from competition from China, et cetera, to just the products of climate change as it moves forward. Uh, People are going to be singled out in this country to be the victims, right? People are going to be singled out to take the blame, singled out to be the put on the whipping post to pay for the empire's inability to continue expanding the way that it wants to expand. You know, mm-hmm. we can already see on the U.S.-Mexico border, we've chosen the immigrants on the U.S.-Mexico border to be our, you know, sort of uh, witches that we burn at the stake for the crimes of yeah, society. Joe Biden and the Democratic Party have have full-throatedly chosen that, yes. Yes, yes, uh, by stating that they're going to move to the right of Trump on immigration. Who could have seen that coming? I think um, I did see it coming like three weeks ago. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody who has uh, had a year. pulse for 40 years, you know. But mm. also, you know, I mean, I, I think the pushback against the LGBTQ community, particularly through the attack on trans people, is uh, another sign of like that's going to be another sacrificial lamb to American empire you know as things get tighter as things fall apart uh those people are just gonna have their lives are just gonna get a lot worse and yeah um that's you know there's nothing should be encouraging about that no no nope as long as you still I mean this is what police abolition is about right this is what the whole debate is it's like why it's hard to explain to liberals progressives you know Mm -hmm. you can as long as you have these people around like you you haven't addre- addressed all the structural forces that create them, reproduce them, and 
and what they are and what they're for. And so, you know, you can maybe rain, maybe rein them in a little sometimes. Um, but it's all still there under the surface. Yeah. Ready to come out. Yeah. Yeah. Basically at any time, once, once the sort of the pieces come together in the right way, it's, it's always ready to be unleashed. Um, yeah. Good times. Good times. Good times ahead guys. <laughs> all right. Always. Uh, well, are you guys ready to fire off, turn off our Google glasses uh, for one second so we can get to some other region of our house and immediately turn them back on again and enjoy our entertainments? <laughs> our Google glasses. It's not even Google. Our Apple glasses. Our well, Apple I'm wearing Vision my Pro. Google glass, my original 2013 Google glass the, with the True ones without believer. the lenses under yeah. my Apple Vision Pro. Am, am I just making this up in my like headcanon? Or wasn't there like a whole... Uh, maybe a single article, but a whole spate of discussion online about how people are like being bullied on the subway for wearing yeah. their Google glass. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> that was really right. 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 They called my them glass face. holes. Yeah. <laughs> they called them glass holes. <laughs> Cause, cause the implication uh, is they could be recording you at any time. Also, you yeah. look like a fucking dork. Yeah. Hard to see which one of those crimes is worse, looking like a dork or being recorded, <laughs> recording people at any time. But uh, equally, equal punishment. New York, as well, now, yeah. You can get Google Glass now. They just look like glasses unless you look really close, you know? Yeah. Does it still exist? Google Glass? They're still pushing Google no way. Glass? Really? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. All right. All right. I hate it. Uh, so... Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna keep our goggles fastened on for life. Uh, I actually had mine drilled into the sides of my skull. Uh, <laughs> that way, I don't have to worry about falling off at night. So no, we just get the Neuralink uh, implant from Elon Musk, the actual <laughs> microchip he's putting into our brain. Oh man, remember that the Neuralink killed all those monkeys, and then there was yeah, all these like yeah. Elon stands. So like, I don't care. I'll be the test subject. <laughs> like he should have taken them up on that. Well, honestly, guys, they're not designed for monkeys. They're designed for humans. Okay? Yeah, that's why they. Like the monkey thing, that's just a, a hoop you got to jump way. through. Yeah, for, yeah. For you know, because the red tape. Yeah, it's yeah. more bureaucratic <laughs> red tape. Oh. Another vi victim of red tape. Oh. The red tape dyed red by the blood of those monkeys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The world sucks. We'll see you all later. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. bye.